What are we going to discuss today, Chris? The same thing we discuss every episode, Mackenzie. How to tell a silly story with cartoons. Yar. Stay tuned. Good day and welcome to Writers Get Animated, a podcast about animation, storytelling, and wild animated characters with luncheon meats in their pants. I'm Chris Leva. And I'm Mackenzie Worrell. And today we're talking about the Animaniacs, who are back. Which you're very excited for, and I am aware of. I would love to, I, I always forget how much of a life difference <laughs> there is between your existence and mine uh, <laughs> in terms of years and what that means in terms of pop culture. Because we align so much on so much that those moments where it's like, oh, yes, I was in this grade and you were in a different grade when something first happened. It I was in first out. grade. You were in college. I, I don't think it's like that. No. Is it? No. no. Okay. I don't think it's like that. When did you start so, college? I started college in 1997. Okay. So I was in like fifth grade. Oh, gosh. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> There's a little bit of a difference. So back in the 90s, there was a very famous cartoon show. I see what you did. (laughs) It felt like I had to. Uh, The Animaniacs, starring the Warner Brothers and the Warner Sister, Yakko, Wacko, and Dot. And what grade was I in when this came out? I feel like this was in ninth grade for me. That's a good time for it to hit. Yeah, I feel like that's the time. And the last time we discussed the Animaniacs, I feel like we we discussed a little bit of this, but like, I I think early high school, late middle school, where you're kind of understanding how the world works and you kind of have certain references, but you don't have a deep understanding of things. You're not quite a child, but you're not quite an adult yet. Like, it's like the perfect time to start watching Animaniacs. Yeah. Yeah. I can get behind that. For me, it was definitely like, it came at the period of my life where I would spend summers and a lot of time being at my grandparents' house where the babysitter was a a TV to a certain degree. And I grew up on Looney Tunes and Tom and Jerry. And to me, that was like all brand new stuff like in the 90s, but it was really like 1930s theatrical shorts. And so Animaniacs was a direct continuation of that by the time it hit for me, where it was like the same template of like pop culture references and zany and scratch and stretch, scratch, stretch, squash and stretch. I don't know where I got scratch from. Um, and it felt very similar, but it's also like jarring because at that point, my pop culture references were like the 1930s through 50s and the Animaniacs was making like contemporary references that I didn't get. <laughs> so I I don't know I I didn't have any strong like or dislike of it when it was on TV I saw a lot of it mostly at friends houses mm. uh, it was a very uh, passive thing that I watched it was a, a staple of the 90s for me but not something that I think that I ever actively pursued it in my own home hmm. I, I remember it being well before I say that I just have to say scratch and stretch the animated show about a kitten and a dachshund is going to be gold. So we just have to tuck that away for ourselves, like scratch and stretch. Like we'll just, we'll just keep those together. The next time it writes itself. Exactly. Like random pilot ideas, scratch and stretch, the lovable story of, uh, anyway, for me, it was the continuation from middle school of tiny tune adventures And then we get the Animaniacs, and then it becomes Freakazoid. And I feel like 
that, do I call it a cultural triumvirate of, of Steven Spielberg produced insanity on our TVs in an animated way? Um, I feel like Animaniacs took what Tiny Toons wanted to do and actually did it in a fun, original way. So yeah. Tiny, Tiny Toons was like, we need new Looney Tunes. So let's make child versions of the Looney Tunes characters. And Animaniacs was like, we need new Looney Tunes. Let's make up some new characters and make them interesting and fun. Yeah. Animaniacs definitely feels like it's as a whole an homage to early Looney Tunes and like that era of animation, which is why it's so funny as like the first bit in the the 2020 Animaniacs show is like, we're harkening back to a golden age of television from the 90s. Like, oh, okay. That's kind of what you're doing, but that's not what the original show is doing. <laughs> we have a very... Yeah, the original show is looking back at like the 1920s, 1930s. Like these are characters who are way ahead of their time for the 1920s and 1930s audiences. And they're still ahead of their time when we get to the 90s. Like they're too zany for the safe culture of the 90s. So now in being written in 2018 and coming out in 2020, I feel like... <laughs> There's a little bit of even datedness to to it. It's like, look, a lot's kind of happened since 2018 Animaniacs. So, like, we're in a wholly different place. But that's that's animation for you. You can't really... It's hard to be, quote, topical in animation unless you have very simple animation. Yeah. But I still thought they did a good job. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was like an SNL sketch where they recorded the SNL sketch two years ago and were aware that it wouldn't be aired for two years. If that makes it sound better. It does make it sound better. <laughs> so I think one of the things that we want to talk about. So for, for those listeners wondering if they should get on Hulu to watch the new Animaniacs, uh, I think we can start with since we're not like giving reviews like thumbs up, thumbs down, or like five stars, or we're not like we're taking a look at the meat and potatoes of what makes Animaniacs Animaniacs and whether that is present in this rebooty sequely continuation e Animaniacs. <laughs> we're rebooty. Um, that's what I was going for. It didn't quite work and I'm willing to move on from it. Uh, so we're looking at what, what's the core of the Animaniacs and does that, is that still present in the latest iteration of Yakko, Wacko and Dot? So or is it like fundamentally different in some way? Right, right. So Mackenzie, we, we've already started that conversation a little bit uh, with, what it harkens back to. And in the very first episode, what what are we getting in those first sketches? And I think it's important to call them sketches because that's one way that Animaniacs works. It's on a very short sketch level versus story level. Yeah, that's absolutely what it is. It's almost like a, a mashup of for TikTok videos, to put it in modern terms, for someone who is new and hasn't been through the 90s. Um, you have four different ones, and the first one is just the very short opener, like Jurassic Park parody, which is a very... It's almost directly out of 90s Animaniacs. It's like they want to reference the 90s as they did back then, but also like make it current with their current situation with... They're back to life. They got brought back. So you have like a little parody of bringing dinosaurs back versus bringing the Animaniacs back. Um, and then you have them in like a, a plot, air quote sketch, uh, going back to the Warner lot and seeing what they missed and what's changed. You get Pinky in the Brain, 
also with a little bit of seeing what they were up to for the past 22 years. Um, and then you have the conclusion where the Yakko, Wacko, and Dot kind of process what they've learned in the episode so far and sing a song about it. If that's what you're looking for. If that's what I'm looking for or it, what the audience members are looking for. What you're looking for, an answer from me, not necessarily from the episode. Oh, oh I see. Not the overall. <laughs> no, it's, I don't know. It's, um, for me, it felt like uh, the only one that was kind of not in the core thing that I would expect from Andy Maniacs was like the seeing what they missed, like that second sketch. Um, the spirit the of it was Animaniacs. Yeah. I mean, but they yeah. had the CEO in the old show, too. Right. I mean, not her, but an old CEO. Yeah. I think the spirit of it, where it's like, we're, we're the Animaniacs, we are zany, we make crazy jokes, like nothing is out of out of bounds for us. It kind of felt like, yeah, we need to reference that we are continuing something that was dead and that's really what the whole episode is but that particular one gets like the most plotty about it uh, and so i felt like that spirit was there even if that that sketch format isn't something you would see in the 90s mm -hmm. that that makes sense it felt so if we take them sketch by sketch of this very first episode Okay. That, that could be a fun way of dissecting this. So the very first one, the Jurassic Park, I, we can't even call it like a parody because it wasn't really a parody. It was, they're not even riffing on it. They did, they did the scene of Jurassic Park where Alan Grant and Ellie Sadler Sattler, sorry, um, see the brontosauruses. I'm sorry, they're not brontosauruses because brontosauruses aren't real anymore. I can't remember. Allosauruses? I can't remember. Apatosaurus? Apatosaurus. Thing. So they see the dinosaurs for the very first time. They pull up in a Jeep. They see them. And they go beat by beat in that scene because I've seen that scene multiple times thanks to my child and myself, like, to be real. And they go beat by beat, moment by moment, with these characters recognizing and seeing, oh, it's a, not really a dinosaur, it's the Animaniacs. Oh, be surprised. But it feels so long. It, because it's, they... It's a meme is what it is. Like, It's like one of those Twitter videos where someone has taken a clip for a movie and then they've put like in really quick flash text, like the name of something topical, like as if mm. it were a New Yorker cartoon over one of the characters, like, uh, God, I'm trying to think of an example right now, but uh, like if it were the what's in the box scene from that one movie, mm -hmm. I'm doing a really bad job, but the what's Seven. in the box, yeah. if it's that, except like above it, they put like the boxes, the green new deal and like the characters are labeled like democratic voters and Republican voters. Right. It's like that kind of thing is what it is. It's literally line for line, like what happens in the movie, but you're putting a new light on it in that meme way. Mm. I just feel like I, I, yes, I see your point. <laughs> But then there's also the point of where even then it starts to evolve in some way because there is they, they take it to the next evolution point. Um, and I'd almost want it to get a little bit outside, uh, less safe, you know, like they have the opportunity because it's animated to go even further with it. Like, they have the point where they could bring in a Chris Pratt character on accident because he's the reboot version. <laughs> and they're like, no, 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 we're not doing a reboot. Get out of here. Like, they, there could be some something like that where they make the next step 
because it's animation and they they could do anything. I mean, it's down to the the beat of like put your head between your legs, put your head between your legs, and he it's like you have a pinky in the brain, like it just goes too close to to the source material, and it becomes reverential in a weird icky way. Like I I, f- I agree, it could have been zanier. I like your ideas. I love the Chris Pratt idea with him coming in magically. Um, Yeah. I feel like I had something else to say. (laughs) It was fleeting. Oh, I have like qualms with kind of how they position some of the stuff, like Steven Spielberg coming in and calling the 90s the golden age of animation. Like, "Mm, did you miss the the early 2010s? (laughs) (laughs) Do you not watch cartoons anymore, Steven? Uh, I don't think he does. I don't think he does. (laughs) I legitimately believe that Steven Spielberg has not watched cartoons since the Animaniacs were first on TV. (laughs) I can't, I won't put money on that, but I'm, I, I think that's probably true. Yeah. I, I would buy it. It, so like at, it's, I like the sketch. I agree. It could have gone further, but like right away it, the episode starts off, I think, on this, like, two left feet moment of feeling dated of, like, we're a continuation, but also here's a reference to a 1990s movie and we're out of touch with what cartoons are. Mm-hmm. So I, I see your feelings. They are valid. I think it's also a fine <laughs> sketch. Right. That could have been better. Right. Yes. It's cute. I laughed. I lulled. Okay, good. I'm glad that you lulled. I, I mean, I said this before we recorded too, but as uh, someone who didn't follow Animaniacs as much, like I watched this first episode, I was like, oh, that's the best episode of Animaniacs I've ever seen. Cool. It, it was a solid episode. It feels like... It feels familiar, but it also feels like... Okay, how do I want to put this? So you have a friend from high school, right? And you call up that friend from high school and you realize, okay, you've kind of changed a little bit, but you haven't really evolved along with me. Hmm. Like you've, you've kind of stayed mostly the same. And I think I don't, I don't know if you're giving me anything new in this relationship. Hmm. You, you know, and I have several friends like that. It's like, yeah, I don't think I'm getting anything new out of this relationship. Who don't listen to this podcast if you think it's you. That's right. That's right. The friends that I have who do listen to this podcast that I've had since high school, I'm, I'm not trying to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for making that point. Uh, but I, I do feel like there's something strong and familiar there, but it, it does feel like the things that have changed are somewhat surfacey and not, not things that make a difference. Well, I know you said before we started recording that you watched more of the show and you felt really good about other parts of it. Was there anything in the first episode that made you feel like there was a difference made in the next three sketches? That's a good question. Um, So I felt a little bit like, okay, this feels somewhat familiar with the first sketch. The second sketch where we have the plot of them coming back to the studio um, and saying their very first lines and that was kind of funny. I'm like, that's that's a little funny. Although you did say boingy, boingy, boingy in the original <laughs> sketch. So these aren't really your first lines. Your first lines were boingy, boingy, boingy. Um, which fits better than what you said in this sketch about your first lines. Anyway, that, that, <laughs> that aside, I feel like that one was there were a lot of opportunities for change to show how things are different. Um, 
to show them more out of place, to show them a little bit wild for this time. And the most jarring thing there in the whole situation was the new CEO. Like she's the one who seems the most out of place and out of her time than the Warner brothers and their Warner sister. I'm like, tell me more about that. How so? I don't know. I, I feel like to have, and my wife disagrees with me on this point, but to have somebody where it's like, yes, she's the new woman CEO. And she's like, no, I pull the ladder up from behind me. I'm not going to help any other woman. I'm pulling the ladder up from behind me. It just feels like a little bit of a slap. Like, Yeah, you know, we are changing the character. It's no longer a an older white male who's balding and looks like a CEO. Um, But we're still going to put this weird alpha power energy in this person. Well, I think you still want it to be someone who can be an antagonist that you hate. Like, I don't think Animaniacs is a show built on a redemption sympathetic arc for its villains. It's <laughs> true. Yes. You don't want to have like a nice woman CEO who like mentors others and helps them that you then like have to hate because she's after the Animaniacs and trying to censor them. But that, but that's the thing. She's not trying to necessarily censor them. If she were trying to censor them, they're like, look, you've had your time. I appreciate it. If they wanted to go one way and make her like the um, ridding the studio of anything zany and just making things safe again, hmm. like no, 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 we're gonna we're too busy with Zack Snyder, you know, we're we're trying to do that thing, like you if there's something about that, like no, we're doing another Harry Potter, or you know whatever that is. Um, I feel like you could make her a villain in a different way than, than like that. I will say for all the options you've thrown out so far, I've seen immediately how that could be taken the wrong way of like being anti-social justice warrior and things like that. So I think that they have been careful maybe to not portray the show in the world in a way that is anti-woman or anti-person doing the right thing. And I don't know. I drama, dramaturgically speaking, I see the strength in the struggles that you're representing. Um, But I also think they didn't want to go the route of Rick and Morty, uh, which tries to say things, but is ultimately overshadowed by its audience taking the wrong message from it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That makes sense. Which is, so they, the original CEO was like, they're just too loony. They're just too much. They're too zany. So if if you just take that same line, you, you are too wild for this situation. Like we need something we can control and make sure that you can keep making money for us. Um, if that's, I think that's what the battle has been. Like you, you don't fit because you will say and do wild things and we will not be able to control you. Hmm. So we need to get you a psychiatrist so that way you can work through your issues and be less zany, be less wild and stop with the baloney in your pants and we can, we can move through this. Uh, and I think if, Like, she she just didn't feel like a good modern villain. And I know that they, in in one of the other episodes, I think it was, I can't remember which episode it was, whether it was the second or, I think it was the third episode, that there was a sketch where uh, the Animaniacs go camping and it turns out that they're actually camping in an Olympic stadium on accident. So their <laughs> campfire is really like the, the torch. And so... Oh, that was supposed to line up with the Olympics this year. Oh, no. <laughs> so then they have this 
um, this Arnold Schwarzenegger-esque character, complete with like an Arnold Schwarzenegger um, accent and everything. And he has like giant body, like out of proportion, huge and everything. And um, they're going through this and they, they decide to go to war with him because they forgot chocolate for their s'mores and they see these gold wrapped these gold medals and they're like, oh, those have chocolate in them. So let's let's beat this guy and get these medals because he's a jerk anyway. And I was like, who is this character that they're battling? Like he's way from the 90s. And um, Dot makes a reference late in the episode that she's like, yes, this tired old stereotype. We're battling this, you know, like this freakish stereotype. I can't remember the line, but I was like, yeah, thank you, Dot, for saying that. But also, why do we have it here? Like, why is... That's an interesting idea of like continuing something or adapting something like the Animaniacs. And if you're trying to capture the spirit of it and part of its spirit was living in stereotypes and making fun of stereotypes and honestly pulling together and solidifying stereotypes of the time that it's from, like how do you do the show anew without living in those stereotypes? Like what you described sounds funny and like something out of the original Animaniacs. Yes, I agree. Mm -hmm. It's in the spirit of Animaniacs. Does it, is it the spirit of Animaniacs in 2020? Yeah. I think in the the second and third episodes, I think if I would have skipped the first episode and watched just the second and third, it would have felt like, oh, I'm just watching an episode of Animaniacs. Cool. Mm-hmm. And, it, and just some of the references are newer and I can get them and like, oh, great. And as an adult, I get even more. Like, there was a moment like, next event, the high jump. And Dot says, which is now legal in 17 states. Ah, um, uh, I see. Took yeah. a minute. Yeah, there, I, I haven't seen that one, but I feel like that's another like moment of like, I don't know, maybe I was too young, so I don't remember any of these from the original Animaniacs. I mean, there's, of course, the fingerprints um, yeah, that joke. Yeah, like, that's, the, that's the very first one that a lot of people think of. But even without like it being a joke in the first episode, the one moment that was really like cognitively dissonant was when they're hitting all the billboards of like rebooted shows like and Queer Eye. Like, do you just say Queer Eye on Animaniacs? I'm like trying to make my brain make that work still. It doesn't feel like something that they should be. Not that I have any problem with it, obviously, but it doesn't feel like something that <laughs> they would be allowed to say or like yeah. reference in any way. And it felt like that almost could have been a moment in itself. Like, oh, we can say that now. <laughs> yeah, that would be an interesting, interesting sketch. Like, it's like, so we're going to go on network again? Like, no, you're on Hulu. Like, that could be the thing. And like, oh, wait a minute what can we do now that we're on Hulu? And then they could like, like test their old lines. Like, <laughs> Oh wait, it's 2020 now. Like, can we say this? Like <laughs> maybe you've had a, a more of a moment of writing out hello nurse than just, I, I read that they referenced that hello nurse joined doctors without borders, which is cool. Great, great development for the character. Obviously you can't have hello nurse animaniacs in 2020. Right. Which is why we've previously talked about the show. Um, and I'm glad she's gone, and I'm glad that she got like a a character development way to go. Mm-hmm. But also, it would have been nice to have a moment of like, no, you have to go, like get out of here, get off screen, like someone have the female CEO pushing Hello Nurse away. And maybe, and maybe that's the one thing of like, we we don't know. Animaniacs are the perfect characters to test our limits of culture and what's okay to be funny in a safe, fun way. Because on one side of, I don't want to say the aisle, but on one side (laughs) of things, we have people who say nothing can be funny 
anymore because of PC culture. Thumbs that's, down. Thumbs down. Like that's that's wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> You're wrong. It's like the same people are saying women can't be funny a decade ago. Right. And started that whole thing. So it's like PC culture and and I'm like, well, what you're notice what you're noticing is you can't be funny in the same way. Like, yes, things that used to be funny are no longer funny because now we see other people as humans. And now we can't make those jokes because other people are humans now. And um, yeah, you can't punch down like that because it's not funny anymore because we recognize the humanity in the other people. We have leveled up our empathy skill set in the D&D sheet of the human race since 1990-something. Yeah. So what do you get when you have to be respectful and empathetic, but be funny and zany and run up to the, the borders of what is appropriate and what is inappropriate? Like, I think... If, if we were making a, an Animaniacs sketch now, it would be fun to do an Animaniacs sketch about mask wearing. That would be fun. I mean, with the way animation works, we'll see that in two and a half years. But Right, right. Hopefully it won't be relevant by then. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. But I think there's like giving them um, somebody to fight against. In the two episodes that followed, episode two and episode three, first one we get is a the Odyssey. So we meet Odysseus, um, and he's just a hairy jerk, and he like um, the, the Animaniacs are um, Greek gods uh, on vacation, and they're on the beach because they're. Smiting has given them carpal tunnel and they're just like, uh, we need a break, which is funny. It's super funny. And then um, Odysseus splashes them with his boat because that looks like fun. Let's let's go splash the nerds, he says. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And then they, the, it was the battle between they're going to send all of this stuff so he can't get home now because he was a jerk to them. I'm like, okay, yeah, let's put things back in balance. Let's. We could all agree that a jerk like that should deserve some kind of comeuppance. Great. But then in the second episode, we we again have a really muscular man who's like a jerk that they have to take down. And I'm like, well, it's the same story. It's just a different, like one is Greek with a tan and hairy and the other one is blonde and like bald as a, but they have like the same structure and um, from what's wrong with them, uh, their flaws, and also their physical structure, too. So it's the same. In, in some ways, it's, it's very much the same battle. Hmm. Yeah, I can see that. It In another way, that feels like just a, 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 an appendix of the 90s. Mm-hmm. And like cartoon sketch structure, like a, that feels very ubiquitous at the time, and now it's not. So it's maybe you're just noticing now. I don't want to blame the victim here, um, but it's like if I go back and watch old Simpsons episodes now, it's like, oh yeah, these were probably about as funny as like modern Simpsons today. We just kind of have these rose-colored glasses of like our senses of humor have developed and we've learned more, and it's easy to say that old Simpsons is the best Simpsons, but you know, sometimes you need, like, a boyfriend to teach you, like, how to love in a new way. Then you can move on. And, like, that's okay. You don't have to, like, have rose-colored glasses about the ex-boyfriend. You can just have a new boyfriend that's better. I guess that's true. <laughs> in some ways. I just... I was so looking forward to this. And not, I'm not saying that it didn't deliver. Like, if if you are... An Animaniacs fan from the '90s. Um, they, I, w- I would say, skip the first episode and go straight to the second and third ones, and just feel like you're watching Animaniacs again. Yeah, if you don't feel like you need the plot or the reason for them coming back, 
I don't know if the first episode adds, I mean, that there's an overarching plot to Animaniacs, but it won't add anything. <laughs> if you just want no. new episodes of Animaniacs, go to episode two. I feel like there's there are better, newer villains. Like, we have different villains in, in, the, in the current decade that we could probably go against that aren't the hyper-masculine. I mean, yeah, sure. Um, I'm all for taking down toxic masculinity in all of its forms, but toxic masculinity doesn't look the same in... It doesn't. It doesn't look like that. That's what everyone who suffers from toxic masculinity always thought they looked like, and now we just acknowledge that <laughs> that is a fantasy <laughs> that was not good for either side. I mean, the same thing in their opening credits where they have... Um, all the trolls will say we are passe and they have like a what you would say of like a 90s person in their basement on the computer with like an animaniac shirt and is overweight and i'm like um no i'm i'm saying you're passe too a little bit like <laughs> like and i look much different from and that i'm in my upstairs bedroom <laughs> right and i'm upstairs <laughs> <laughs> I'm wearing a cardigan, like <laughs> I'm Latino, and <laughs> and thanks to Noom, I've lost twenty pounds. So, like, <laughs> I'm not that person. <laughs> We're different yeah, people. It, it felt like they could have been making fun of their audience has grown up with them a bit more than what they did. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, if, if you want to make fun of like your old audience that isn't going to like the new show, like, yeah, give us some hipsters. <laughs> right. Right. I'm like hipster light. I think, you know, yeah, like we're, we're all hipster light here. It's okay. I'm maybe hipster medium. I won't lie. Listen, <laughs> I I'm somebody who, I don't want people who love the Animaniacs to come down hard on us. Like, hey, you're you're terrible. Like, you're not. Then obviously you're not real fans. You know, if if we're like criticizing this in this way, and I just want to say, I bought from the Warner Brothers store when there were Warner Brothers store. <laughs> I bought an Animaniacs ring. A ring. Like a ring that I wore to my high school, like. Now I found out that the reason I, I stopped wearing it because of things, and it turns out that I have a nickel allergy, so it's probably a bad thing for me to buy. There's your animaniac sketch. I never, I never knew why I was getting, <laughs> why my skin hurt every time I wore this animaniac's ring. Um, I just took it that maybe I shouldn't wear that to my Catholic high school, and God was smiting me for some reason. I don't know. You saw it was a Lord of the Rings situation. Like it burns to put on and use this power, but I like it so much. We must have the preciouses. <laughs> like I love the Animaniacs. And I, I know I bothered, I think there was the same guy who worked there for a while. And I think I bugged him because I was like, where's your Freakazoid merchandise? Where's your, he's like, we don't have any. I'm like there's two seasons of Freakazoid. Where's your Freakazoid? As if he has any control. <laughs> exactly. It's like, they're just probably waiting to see if it turns into something. I'm like, yeah, but the show's on now. So why don't they have stuff now? <laughs> <laughs> Anywho. Um, I, there, there is so much. I know we were going to say go, go sketch by sketch, but I was like, um, I feel like peeking in the brain got the most right. I agree with that. I think it's a solid sketch in line with them that also like adds plot, but maybe it's because I also just happened to rewatch this episode like the same week before I saw this Animaniacs one. It's basically the plot of the Futurama Comedy Central episode where they go get the iPhones EYE. Mm -hmm. It's like the exact same thing. Yeah. So to me, it didn't feel, it didn't feel fresh. No, I don't. It was fine. I don't think Peaky and the Brain's about 
feeling original. You're just laughing at the characters. That's fair. Yeah, so, and the characters were perfect, spot on, exactly what I wanted. Yeah. They they had one, the other two Peaky and the Brain ones, they had a brain going to, uh, in medieval times, trying to uh, kill a dragon so that way he would become a hero and then take over the world. And then they find out that the hero is, uh, they find out that the dragon is actually like this aspiring actor. Um, so they're like, okay, let's, we'll pretend like you could put on this performance and I'll take over. But then the dragon keeps overacting and has like six different death scenes. And they're like, <laughs> the king's like, wait, what's going on here? So that was, that was original and fun. <laughs> and then uh, the, the other one was um, <laughs> the brain puts on a robot suit and pretends to be a, um, a senator in 1953. And it turns out that it's like, no, I think, I think your friend is a mouse. It's like, no, 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 we hate mice. Like, and then they start like doing this red scare for mice and like <laughs> reporting people and like, you're a mouse, sir. And he starts accusing other people of being mice. And it's really ridiculous. Yeah, that sounds fun and ridiculous. I think it was called Pinko and the Brain. It's, it's uh, that so that was fun. Well done. Points. But the best, the best sketch for me, this was like original, something I hadn't seen before, something I wasn't expecting, but something that spoke to me from my world in, in high school and the way my brain worked. It was called Masterpiece Theater. So Masterpiece Theater. And I was like, what is this? And it has Dot reading from a book. She goes, Sue has five apples. She loses two apples. How many apples does Sue have left? And then it cuts to this woman in like, Victorian England, like running with like five apples and like her children <laughs> and one apple drops behind her. She's like, no. And she like keeps running and like this police officer catches up with her and she throws an apple at him and like she saves her kids. She's like, I will, I will keep my children safe and do whatever I have to do. It's like, I started with five apples and now I have three apples. <laughs> like it was <laughs> like I was laughing so hard. I was like, <laughs> "That's really cute. I love it." And then the button's even better. Like the button just like adds. I won't ruin the button for you. So if you watch that, it's just. And it took me back to, in my honors math class, where my teacher. The only way I could get through it was my teacher would write word problems, and I would see like this adventure in my head. It's like. Susan and Ted go on this. And I remember one day he looked at me weird. I'm like, can we please have another Susan and Ted problem? Because I need to know what happens to them next. Oh, God. So <laughs> precocious. <laughs> like they were in this car speeding down. Like, like what happened to them? Like, mm -hmm. where is Susan and Ted? And I would like, I was writing out ideas for what happened to Susan and Ted. This was like a long thing for me. Like Susan and Ted have a really distinct place in my brain. <laughs> like I, you, I'm, I'm over 40 years old and I'm like remembering Susan and Ted going on these wild adventures because of math problems. And then so when I saw this masterpiece theater, I'm like, this is finally like, yes, this is my brain. This is what you, <laughs> how did you get inside of my brain of the stories behind math problems? Okay, I can't wait to see that one. It was, so, it was so good. It's like a three or four minute little sketch at the end of like the third episode or the second episode. It's just, it's just, that's, that's what I want. Like I, I don't want, in some ways, the other sketches feel like those overlong Saturday Night Live sketches. It's like, yes, we get it. And it just carries on and carries on and doesn't build to like the way you want it to build. But and the moment that um, 
they said in one episode, it was the gold meddlers um, episode uh, that I was like, they, they said, yes, that, yes, we will be gold meddlers. And they're like, ah, title of the sketch, title of the sketch. And then it's like, oh yeah, I have to see these as sketches and not as stories. Mm-hmm. And the second you see them as a sketch based, then it's like, oh, it's just a three person improv group. And some people are like, hey, what if you were Greek gods? Like, oh yeah, we'll be Greek gods and we'll be doing the Odyssey. Yes, and we heard we heard Odyssey. I heard Odyssey from the audience. All right, so did I hear Speedboat? Speedboat. Great. Uh, so Greek gods doing the Odyssey uh, and Speedboat. Speedboats. Okay, here we go. Boom, boom. <laughs> and then suddenly I started enjoying it more. So the first episode made me want like story and character development, and the second and third were just like. All right, let's just put them into a situation. So it sounds like you're coming in with like the modern idea of like the actual golden age of cartoons in the 2010s with story and character development. Um, and you're seeing it through that lens and the first episode kind of promises like, here's some plot we're going to develop this. And it, mm. it didn't achieve that, but it promised that without at all trying to pretend to be that. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think you're right. Okay. I think you're right. It's so, okay for things to be other things. Yeah. They are. They are. It is okay. So would you still recommend the Animaniacs? The new one? I would. I would. With the newfound realizations that we're having as we talk. <laughs> That's why I need to talk to you, Mackenzie. Is <laughs> like I work through things like let's talk about it let's work through our issues and not post online about like things being passe and oh yeah when i like can't figure out like why i feel like about something sometimes it's great to talk to you because then i can like articulate it and figure out like why that's my problem to overcome or if indeed i was looking for something else that it was never going to deliver i 100 percent agree ah so yes i would recommend it i personally would skip the first episode and just watch, just continue with the second one and pretend like it's just the next season in Animaniacs that came 20 years too late. (laughs) Whereas I recommend as someone who didn't watch the 90s one as well and think that the first episode, the only one I've seen so far, (laughs) is perhaps the best episode of Animaniacs that I've ever seen. Again, admitting that there are some problems, but I didn't follow the show that much in the first place. So still recommend. Good. Now, do you have a favorite thing that you love? Okay. Um, My son Jack's favorite thing, or the opening credits, he never laughs. Like, that's the time when he laughs. He usually doesn't laugh throughout the rest of the episode. Uh, He's eight, so I don't think he's quite the demographics for Animaniacs, but he laughs all the way through. Um, and it took him to the second episode to realize that there was baloney in their slacks. And he's like, oh, baloney, that's funny. Um, cracking up. Uh, but for me, my favorite thing has to be the new Pinky and the Brain credits. It just... Like the opening credits for The it? opening credits for Pinky and the Brain. I don't know why. It just feels... It feels like they thought about it and they're like, you know, we're going to keep this much original, but we're going to try something a little bit different. And we're going to go with the, the difference. And it feels like that image of brain overpowering things. Like where they say one is a genius, that image of, of him with like in computer generated version and all that stuff. It just feels... It feels artful and thought out in a <laughs> in a way that I was wasn't really expecting. Yeah, it felt like they were they really thought about what is the core thing of the original Pinking the Brain opening credit sequence, and if they could do it better. And <laughs> I agree, I think they did do it better. They captured that spirit of like what they're trying to convey and set the mood for better with the new credits. Mm-hmm. What about for you? 
I also like the opening of Pinky and the Brain, but the part right after the credits. <laughs> Pinky and the Brain are talking about like what they've done for the past 22 years. And Pinky has this whole like little monologue about like using big words that I've been to therapy and realized that I, the journey along the way was actually my codependency on you and not like trying to take over the world. And that was a plot. Like I've had all these grand self-realizations and I'm a better person for it. And the brain hits him and he just goes like narf. And it's like this, this acknowledgement that time has passed and people change and grow and that there's problematic parts of this relationship, but we don't want that for this show. So <laughs> shut up, Pinky. <laughs> And I felt like that captured the spirit of the first episode really well. Like, we can acknowledge things have changed and people change over time. But no, we're not doing that. We're not gonna. Yeah. (laughs) Not us, though. (laughs) And it had nothing to do with the rest of the episode, but I just thought it was like a nice little character construction. Yeah. I I like that moment, too. (laughs) That, That was solid. Like, that's... Here's an expectation. Here's a we'll undercut that and then we'll move on and just show you. Right? We now join you with Pinky of the Brain in progress. <laughs> yeah, basically. Uh, yeah. Okay. Shall we talk homework time? Yes, let's. For next time. Uh, we are going to do our annual very special Christmas special, Christmas special. And this year, there is a new Christmas special with which to celebrate. So please go watch the Lego Star Wars holiday special available on Disney+. And we will celebrate that festively in our next episode. As always, we want to say thank you to Nigel Coutinho, our sound engineer. And thank you to Jacob Reed and the Champagne Drops for our theme music. You can find all of our show notes on writersgetanimated.podbean.com and you can find us on Twitter at WGAnimated and any other way you want to find us and like give us feedback or whatever. Text message. I actually got a text asking before we recorded this one if we were going to do an Animaniacs episode. So there are people excited. And I'm not suggesting that if you're a stranger listening that you should text me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But we do appreciate feedback from within the already established circle. Oh, so Mackenzie. <laughs> yes. Is that baloney in your slacks? Oh, that would be th- this too many punchlines here to go with. Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>